0: Uh, Take your Bibles, if you will, or if you want to join along in the reading of God's Word together. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're looking at verses 28 through chapter 5, verse 2. Chapter 5, verse 2. And um, I pray that the hearing of God's Word will speak to you today because it is, remember, the Spirit of God that has inspired the Word of God, which now speaks to you and me, the people of God. So, um, hear the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. And let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as the word is good for edification, according to the need, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. <clears throat> Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and listen very carefully, because this is where the sermon's going today, and gave Himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. Father, we thank You for words. We remember that it is the word... Made flesh and has dwelt among us, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. The same word spoke and all that exists came into being. Words are powerful. Help us to follow Jesus a little stronger today. Help us, Lord, by your grace and your mercy, to be better stewards of our language. And Father, may we recommit ourselves. To allow your Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts which also guides our speech. And may we speak wholesome words, words of healing, words of help, wonderful words of life. In the powerful and strong name of Jesus we pray. And all who agreed said, Amen and Amen. There's only two uh, points to this two hour sermon, and I'm going to try to get her done before noon if we can. And I'll try not to stray. I write longer notes now than I did when I first started preaching. I do everything in life backwards, but may it work for the glory of God today. The first point of our message today, beginning in verse 28, going through verse 31 is this little simple phrase, Our our words have the power to do harm. Our words have the power to do harm. Uh, Begin reading with me in verse 29 again. Let no unwholesome word. In the Greek language, the word for unwholesome is the word rotten. Rotten, like rotting fruit or rotting fish. Do you like to eat rotting fruit? Do you like to eat rotting fish? No. Neither do we like unwholesome words. And God doesn't like unwholesome words. So let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but such as a word is good for edification. That means building up, building up, building up. Everybody in the world needs a good word. Everybody in the world needs to hear a gospel kind of word, a word that exalts Jesus and a word that builds up the body of Christ, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. People that you hang around the most, your personal family, need to hear those words also. And it makes all the difference in the world, in the climate in your home, the climate at work, and the climate at school, and the climate when friends get together. I like to be around people who have a positive attitude and a positive word, don't you? I like to be around people when I speak to them, they're going to have merciful words, and, and they tolerate me, and they're willing to say, I understand you, I know you well, and I wish you well also. That's what edification is. It builds up instead of tearing down. So words have that dual power. Words are mightier than the, uh, the the pen is mightier than the sword that old saying says. And it's really true that the words we choose to say have the power to bring down and to destroy. One of my favorite pastors who has a podcast says this quite often from his pulpit. Put downs Need to be put away. I thought that was a great saying, don't you? Put downs need to be put away. And that sense of putting away is the Apostle Paul's theme in the book of Ephesians. Because earlier he was talking about putting on Christ, and as we put on Christ, we put away the old self. So while we're putting on Christ, like putting on new clothing, we also put away the old self that was controlled by our sensuality, our negative, our depraved, our, well, just sinful self. Let's just call it for what it is. And as we put on Christ, we are being controlled by Him. As I thought about uh, putting on new clothing, I thought about when I was a kid getting on the school bus when school started. All the boys on the school bus had brand-new blue jeans. All the boys at school seemed like they had a pair of brand-new blue jeans. You could just smell it. I mean, that was just what school was all about, all those brand-new blue jeans. Well, wholesome words have a fragrance also. And they are a sweet aroma as a sacrifice to Almighty God. So he says, according to the need of the moment. So I need to choose words according to the need of those that are around me. Not, my, my words don't need to be dictated by whatever comes to my little brain. My words need to be dictated by love. Now watch this. Love understands the need of another person and is more concerned about the well, well-being and health of the other person. That's sacrificial love. That's New Testament love. That's agape love. Words need to be selected and chosen in the same way. What is the need of the person that I'm speaking to? I don't need to say whatever little thing comes to my little brain. Well, I have the right to say whatever comes to my mind. No, you don't. Not as a Christian, you don't. You don't have the right to say, whatever's on my brain. It just comes right out of my mouth. You don't have that right. You have the freedom of the speech under the Constitution of the United States. But under another law, a higher law, this is the law of love, Paul says. We don't have that right. We do have permission To choose words that edify, that build up, that encourage, and that give mercy. So, these words are to give grace according to those who hear. Wholesome words are encouraging words, and they're based upon the need of the moment, not what I need to do in terms of saying just what's on my mind. Go to verse 30. It's very interesting here that he immediately points to the Holy Spirit of God. Now, where does the Holy Spirit of God reside in every believer? He resides in every believer. I've heard people say, we were at this event or that event and God showed up. God's here today and has shown up in 129 who went to Sunday school, plus all of you who joined us at this hour as well. Wherever God's people show up, God shows up, because He resides in each believer. So he says in verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not sadden God, who lives in you, by whom you were sealed. Now, that goes back to chapter 1, where he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit is to seal you and me to the day of redemption. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means we carry the mark of Jesus Christ on us. Just as the authority of the King was in the seal of state, so the mark of the Christian is the seal of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and in me. So what we say reflects who's in charge of our life. What we say reflects who is truly Lord of my thoughts and my behaviors. What we say can either bless the Lord or make the Lord sad. And I've made the Lord sad many, many times. He is with me till Jesus comes back. That's the day of of redemption. And He's going to coach me and help me to choose wiser words that are wholesome instead of... um, Well, remember James, the Bible study? He talked about two kinds of wisdom. Remember that? Wisdom from above, and we studied wisdom from below. Well, the wisdom words from below are unwholesome words, and the wisdom words from above, from God, are helpful words that bring hope. But verse 31, we just don't get away with it yet. Apostle Paul is not quite through with us. You know, it's one thing to say to your children, here's what I want you to do, and then they go, hopefully, do it. Doesn't work that way with all of our children, does it? Sometimes we have to guide them along and say, well, do it this way, and then do this, and then when you do that. I used to work for, uh, well, a pawn shop downtown Louisville, and uh, the boss man I had was used to uh, working with uh, folks that just came in off the street, and he literally said, now do this, do this, do this, and uh, the guys that he had hired recently We were all college graduates, you know, and now we're in graduate school. And uh, he's saying to us, now pick this up, put that down, do this over here, and do that. And I was just like, and finally we got together and told him one day, we said, Stan, you don't have to tell us every day everything to do. We kind of know what to do (laughs) when we show up. So he began to change his approach to us. Now, why would the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, watch this, and again in Colossians, list a litany of behaviors and speech that he wants to see them develop. They're not full-grown yet as Christians. He lists these in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 8. Put aside, see that word again? Put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Here are the words that he's listing lists in this passage of Scripture. We're going to take these one at a time. Here are the word studies. First of all, uh, let all bitterness. Well, what in the world is bitterness? These are unwholesome words that can lead to resentment and bitterness in all of our relationships. Do you like to hang out with bitter people? Resentment is the feeling that I've been treated unfairly. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 14, the pagan's mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Yeah. Well, I grew up with that in the farm community, in the logging community, in the factory co- co- community. I didn't like it as a, as a student, you know, in high school and college, and I still don't like it today. That kind of, those kinds of bitter words of cursing and so forth just don't attract people to Jesus. The next word he uses there is the word wrath. A a wrathful word is someone who's quick to express some kind of hidden anger and rage. Someone who usually is flying off the handle with fly-off-the-handle words. Then he uses the word anger, and that was the topic of last Sunday's sermon. We won't re-preach that one. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Woo! We're getting by so far. All right, the next word he uses is clamor. Well, what in the world is clamor? It's someone who's always causing an uproar in your home, at work, in the community of the church. Uh, Hear this. It's usually someone who's never happy until everybody else is not happy. You know? And, 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 And those folks are in the church as well. Right. Jesus spoke to clamoring Jews who were trying to figure out his identity. And uh, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus says to them, don't clamor or grumble among yourselves. So church, I ask the question, what are we saying that keeps anxiety stirred up in our personal and our church relationships? Can continuous criticism become harassment? Listen to Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers has a great devotion that's an absolute classic. My utmost for his highest. My utmost for his highest. And he wrote these words in one of his uh, devotions. Hear this clearly. He says, God never gives us discernment in order that we may criticize, but that we might intercede. Meaning in prayer. Let me say that again. I, I think he's really on to something there. God doesn't give us discernment in order that we may criticize, but that we may intercede, meaning in prayer. The next one he mentions here is called slander. Slander is that false statement which defames another person. Now, you can go to jail for this one. You can be sued in the courts, you know, these these days for that one. But the Bible says in Leviticus, you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. In Proverbs, he says, he who goes about as a tale-bearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy can keep a secret. The next one he mentions is malice. That's the last one. Malice is the intentional kind of word. I'm going to say it, it's going to hurt, and I don't care, you know, what the result is. It's the intention or the desire. Now hear this, we're getting theological here. It's the intention or the desire to do evil, to hate someone and seek revenge. Some of you remember the name uh, St. Augustine, one of the early theologians of the church. It is said that he had a sign on the wall of 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 his dining room which said, He who speaks evil of an absent woman or man is not welcome." at this table wow powerful words i have come to learn church family i have come to learn i have come to learn the hard way that unwholesome words when i speak unwholesome words i am participating in evil Let's talk about some wholesome words. Let's experience grace today. Let me encourage you with the mercy and the grace that God offers in the cross of Jesus Christ. In verse 32, and through the transition of chapter 5 and verse 2, he talks about another kind of word. Not an unwholesome word, but a wholesome word. And we're learning here the second point of our message that our words have the power to heal and offer hope. Heal and offer hope. Yeah, words can be destructive, but words can also heal. Words can also bring hope. Verse 32 says, Be kind to one another. In the Greek language, that's an aorist, and this this tense of Arist says, keep on being tender-hearted to one another. Keep on being kind to one another. Folks, it's, not a, it's a character of God that he has in place, but it's something I have to keep working on all the time. Keep on becoming kind toward one another. Any kind of communication in the church is never perfect. It's never perfect. I've heard many say in the church where I came from, and, and it's, 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 it's true in every church. I don't care where you go. Uh, we just need to communicate better. Uh, that's true. That's why it's in the Bible. We need to communicate better. We never get it perfect, but we keep on working at it. We keep on working at it. We keep on working at it. Because this is the very character of God that's being perfected in us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, The kindness of God leads to repentance. It's amazing how when we're kind to each other, like God is kind to us, that there is reconciliation, that there is a a new hope in any fellowship, whether it be in your home, work, school, church, just friends hanging out, trying to learn how to be a friend, dating someone. Sure, just keep on being kind toward one another. And then he uses the word "tender-hearted" as another wholesome word. Tender-hearted means tender affections, particularly kindness and benevolence, compassion, hence our heart and tender mercies and our tender affections. The Apostle Peter puts it all together in First Peter chapter three, verse eight, this idea of being tender-hearted. He said, to sum it all up, all of you. How about that? To sum it all up, he said in First Peter, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. That's the nature of Jesus. That's our target. That's the words that we want to have coming from our lips. And then he says, here's, here's another kind of wholesome word that brings, really, transformation. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. A little phrase I threw out when I first came to Ekron, I I like to use again and again. You will never be asked to forgive anyone more than you've already been forgiven by Jesus Christ. Now, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It's where I want you to focus with me now. If we could all just leave that, I should have said, I didn't say, I wonder what all this means. Let's just all focus together here on what God would have us to imagine and think about, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ. What really happened there? What was God doing on that cross? Well. He says, Be imitators of God, His beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, it was an offering to the Father. And it was a sweet aroma to the Father. It pleased the Father. Not that His Son should suffer, but that the love that He displayed when He died on the cross for you and for me was so sweet and and an aroma. See, that cross reminds us of the mercy seat in the temple. It actually replaced the mercy seat in the temple. You know that big word in the book of uh, of Hebrews that says Christ was the propitiation for our sins? Imagine for a moment that we're in the temple. Let's just look around. Here we are in the temple, and, and we're getting ready for that one day a year of atonement. And somewhere in the altar area that was reserved for only one priest, who was the high priest, and who was able, by the election of the people, to go into that place of offering. And in that place of offering, there was something there called the mercy seat. That's where we get the word propitiation. And once a year, that priest would offer a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, for all the sins of the people. And then he came back out. It was considered the Holy of Holies because when God came down to consume that altar, the priest was in the very presence of Holy God, and the others were on this side of the veil and couldn't see. They tied a rope to his foot, because when you've been in the presence of Almighty God, you may die, and we don't want to lose our high priest. So that if he was consumed by the flames on the altar or the presence of God himself, They could drag him back out of the temple, of of the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, that veil that separated the people from the altar was torn in two. Torn in two. Because the cross of Calvary was the propitiation, the mercy seat, of the sacrifice of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, for you and for me and for all who will say I'm a sinner Lord Jesus forgive me of my sin Lord Jesus come and take control of my life and I will follow you and let you be my Lord and my Savior the very presence of God comes to live in us through the Holy Spirit when we make that decision And now that offering that Jesus gave on the cross of Calvary, like the mercy seat that was in the temple, now that very offering, that very Savior, that very Lord, rules our life. He rules our brain. He rules our emotions. He rules our speech. And now watch this. When you and I allow the Holy Spirit to control us with words of mercy, with words of compassion, with words of understanding, we too are joining God. Not joining evil as I mentioned earlier with unwholesome words, but we're joining God. We're joining what God's doing in His Holy Spirit through us in offering a sweet-smelling aroma to our friends, our neighbors, our family members, our spouses our friends at school, the people we meet at Kroger or Save-A-Lot or wherever. I don't want to promote one business up here. You with me so far? Shake your head like this if you are. If you're not going, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. I'm still back here on slander. Here are some of those wonderful words of life. Tell me how I can pray for you. That brings life to the table. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. Thank you for your concern. That doesn't mean I agree or disagree with what you got to say. We're not going to fight about what, your opinion or anything. But thank you for your concern. And here's one that I'm learning to say a whole lot here lately. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm praying for you today. You'll be in my thoughts and prayers. I'll be here when you need me. How can I help you right now? That's not, call me if you need me. I'll be here when you need me. How can I help you right now? Let's try to start over. Let's try to start over. Here's one, a Catholic priest who was a chaplain there National Guard gave to me and brought me a new life. The one-star general in the National Guard called me one day, I was at Sam's wholesale. He said, it has been said that you said blank. I don't remember it, but I'll try to straighten this out. Listen, when the one-star calls you, words matter. And I called up the priest and I said, my brother, it's been said that I said this. I apologize. You know what he said? All is forgiven. I'll never forget it. I, went in, I was not in trouble with a one-star anymore. <laughs> I still had my chaplain team in, intact. And I slept better that night. Sometimes we do say things that we don't remember we said. Or never intended for it to come across that way. Many of you will leave today after hearing this message, and I don't know that anyone, any, I don't know that all of us will have heard the same thing. It's amazing when I ask people, what did you hear in the sermon? And they'll tell me, and I'll go, well, did I really say that from the pulpit? Really? Really? And um, yeah, the priest said all this. for... for all is forgiven, and we're still best friends. And I cl- conclude with this word that's a w- wonderful word of life. Y'all know that hymn, too, don't you? I hear what you're saying. Not I know how you feel, but I hear what you're saying. These are wonderful words of life. So let us be imitators of God as beloved children. See, we're all learning, aren't we? We're not all full, fully grown, but we are growing. So keep on being kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven us. Let's bow our heads together, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you live in us through your Holy Spirit. The Bible is just not words on a page, but inspired by you now living in us. Thank you, Lord, that salvation is available when through words from our deepest heart would say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I pray that someone today will come forward acknowledging the desire to pray that prayer. We pray, Lord, that you will be honored and glorified by every decision that's made in this sanctuary among this good church. This good church. Because we are the people of God. May we live, may we grow, may we be on mission with you and join you words that we say in jesus name amen you've been listening to the sunday morning worship service of the Ekron baptist church you too can accept the eternal life offered by jesus christ first admit that you are a sinner then believe that jesus christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life then confess your faith in jesus christ as your savior and lord if you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.